Okay, episode seven, the Earwig Review. Lots of strange things have gone on since we've been here last. I'll start with that. It'll all unfold in the posts as usual, but that was one hell of a week for many reasons. Some of which I can't even talk about yet. So, few things out of the way. First thing I wanted to say, reading books. Some books you read and the words don't do anything for you. It's just jargon. Written by well-respected people, famous books, winners of prizes, etc., etc. But you look at the pages, you look at the words, and it just doesn't do anything. You can read the same sentence a hundred times, the same page again and again, but it doesn't go anywhere. Other books have the complete opposite effect. You read them, they mean something to you, you understand it, you can't stop reading, and they're good. So, good books, bad books. That's the difference. I don't know what else you could say the difference is. Well, you could get into it. But as a whole, that's all I really ask for. I might think that the book's dumb and that things that happen or the things it's talking about or the things it says bother me. But... That's my own problem. Do I, is it clear? Do I get it? Do I have fun reading it? That's, that's what really counts. You could write the dumbest book ever, but I think that if people can read it and, and get through it, that's what matters most. If it's, if they are looking at the words and they don't get it, then it's not fun. And what's the point? And it means nothing. Yes, there are many arguments available to what I'm saying. And a lot of them, I could argue against myself in what I'm talking about in this moment. But you understand what I mean. We don't have to get into the detail. Because who fucking cares? The point I'm trying to make. I'm trying to... Distinguish between those two things, okay? Done. But now, there's also the side of things when you, as the reader, aren't picking up anything. There's times when you sit down to read and you, you're just not getting it. And you know it's you, not the book. And then there's the times where it's the book, not you. It's a difficult kind of line to uh, to walk around, but... It's important 
And maybe sometimes, if the book is good enough, this is what I'd like to think. This is what I would like to believe is true. In an ideal world, if the book is good enough, you'll be able to read it anytime. No matter what's going on, you'll be able to drop it and read it. TV show, movie, they have that power. They can do that. Unless you're in a totally heightened, crazy state, usually if it's good, you'll forget about what's going on and you'll enjoy the show. Book's got to do the same thing. My only, all I want to report is that I was just reading a book before I started recording today and I was very much enjoying myself. Really, when you're reading the words, you're, there's just a, a feeling of you just don't want to stop reading. And it's not necessarily a feeling of excitement. It is excitement, but it's also of wonder and of awe and of newness. These are the kind of things that I feel like I, when I get locked in and when I really enjoy what I'm doing, it has a lot to do with that. And sometimes there's another book I'm reading. I don't know what page I'm on, 300 or 200 and something. I can't even tell you what the fuck is going on in the book anymore. For many, many pages. There was a time, you know, and somewhere in like, it's got five chapters divided up into five long chapters. In the, se in the second part at one point, I was like, really felt like I was locking in and I, and I liked it and it was good. But then it was a brief moment. It was a brief window. Most of it's just jargony nonsense. And I'm going to keep plowing through it. I'll, I'll get to the end. But it's not meaning anything to me. So I should just probably toss it. Put it back in the little library down the road. But I want to see it through. I want to finish it. For some reason, I just feel like I want to know where where it ends up, but I'm not retaining anything. And I do always wonder in those moments when, you know, I'm trying to explain you reading and you're not understanding any of the words. I do wonder if your subconscious or some kind of whatever version of that is still retaining the info. It just, the information is just so uninteresting to you that you're not stimulated by it. So you don't take it in as anything of, of value or of use. You can't really force yourself to become excited about information that is not, that feels completely irrelevant. So that's what I'm talking about. Reading. And if you're not reading, there's one piece of advice you could take regardless of your situation in life you got to keep reading you just have to there's really nothing else you want to do anything you got to read i don't know what else to tell you now i'm thinking back to last episode episode six long time ago it, it shames me to not have recorded on sunday 
as usual, the usual spot. But there's nothing I could do. Oh, it's on entirely. I probably could have squeezed this thing in, recorded it on my cell phone in a car or something. But there was a wedding to go to. Staying at my sister's house. They got a dog. They got a baby. They got, you know, a bunch of everyone's there. There's no time. It would have been so dumb. Yes, I could have got on and tried to figure it out, but it just, you know, would have been stupid. And I got sick. I've been, I was sick for three days. You'll see it in the posts. I'll get into it. But between the two, it was just crazy. Thinking back to last last episode, and I went on and on. I did. It was a three-hour episode, and I read through the whole Son of Arnold story. Long thing, long thing. Totally crazy thing to do, but I did it, and have I have mixed feelings about that, if I'll do it again or not. On one hand, it's good to just have the machine rolling, recording, because it keeps your focus very sharp when you're editing while while recording but it's also a ridiculous thing to do because it's not going to be interesting to anyone I don't think that said if I were to do it again you can just set I can just say okay I'm going to go to work now I'm going to keep this thing on for mostly for my sake I'm going to keep editing cuz I'm in the zone here and I got to keep going and then you, go, you can go. I'm going to be here, but you can turn this thing off. It doesn't matter. You don't have to stay till the end. So there's that too. I could just, you know, let it roll. And that's what I expect would have happened last time for the most part. So I went with it. I powered through. You can hear me typing, editing, trying to do this, you know, another pass at that story. Maybe I would expect you to listen to maybe a couple minutes. That's it. Whatever. That's fine. I'll decide if I'm going to do it again. Maybe, maybe not. Who cares? The real thing I want to get into is the story itself. And where do I stand with it? What should I do with it? Should I should I kill it and bury it? Should I keep pursuing it? Do another edit? Kind of build it up again? Should I leave it as is? You know, these are all the kind of thoughts when you got these kind of, you know, when you publish something digitally, you have the power to edit it over and over and over again. If I was to print it, well, it's done. You don't get to go back and revise. And that's, you know, one of the, the horrors of the new tech, um, that just the ability to tweak and tweak and tweak and never let it go um, and I'm pretty bad for it so I'm always going to want to keep tweaking I th- when the case of that last story I got to let it go It's I've had I've over tweaked it I even did it again last week after it's been done for a long time what's done is done so I'm, I'm not going to touch that again I unless I go crazy and and do it but I'm, for the most part I'm just going to leave that one do I think it's a good story? 
or not. Um, I don't know. I actually don't know at this point. There's parts of it that I like, for sure. There's parts of it that mean something to me. But I think what where it suffers the most, I think when my biggest critique of that whole thing, that whole story, is that it leans too heavily on the sentimental in order to um, to structure itself. The, the actual drama of it is pretty laid back. Also not, I don't know, that's debatable. Maybe it's not the drama of it, but the, the structure of it, the actual story of what happens is very low key um, in a way. And it happens fast and the pacing's a little weird. But really all it is is a vehicle for sentiment and more or less a, um, you know, a reflection or kind of almost fantasy of what it was like, how I remember my dad growing up trying to isolate on some very specific feelings specific moments um while also trying to kind of um art therapy through some of my bigger fears in life of um you know fears of abandonment um fears of uh, being able to be a good dad or to be a good son, what that all means, you know, all of those kind of different subjects. So I think, you know, if there was one story that I had up on my website right now that I think is the uh, the most art therapy of them all, it's it's got to be that one. And I'm I'm critical of that. But at the same time, why shouldn't I try to work with those deeper um, sentimental feelings? Well, I would I would urge anyone. This is where I get con- I confuse myself in my own thoughts. Where I would anyone I would talk to that was writing, I would tell them to, you know, access all that stuff and write about it and get it on the page and try to structure it. So I'm doing what I think I believe is is right and what I. Uh, expect from people and and what I usually enjoy but I'm also critical of it maybe that's because it's I'm I am scared of um, you know having something out there that makes me feel dare I say vulnerable a cheesy fucking word um, but you know maybe that's the resentment and that I feel in my intellect is trying to chime in and say, hey, maybe we should tweak that and make it cooler. Maybe someone should, you know, you know, uh, do something violent and uh, take some attention away from the wah wah feelings of it all. So I don't know. It's uh it's its own thing. But the truth is I worked on it for too long 
and I had to kind of move too many internal kind of bricks around to get there to pretend like it isn't a valid story to me and if it's cheesy and if it sucks and if you don't like it well what the fuck am I supposed to do you know delete it and pretend like I never uh, that's nothing I ever wrote Eh. and also sorry but it's not the best I can do I can do better I've done better than that story I think but if but at the, on the other hand, I just edited it last fucking week. And if I could have thought of something that was such a better way to do it, then I would have done it. So I got to face the facts and say, well, that's the story I wrote. And this is maybe the uh, as good as I am. And who's going around saying they don't like it? I don't know. No one told me yet. Only I'm sitting here in my own chair wondering, uh, does it suck? Oh, it sucks. No, maybe it's good. Actually, no. Fuck that story. Uh, wait. But that story's real. I like that story. Back and forth, back and forth. Just spiraling. Nonsense. You gotta own it. Write the damn thing. Move on to the next one. Write another one. And bury it if it sucks. Meaning, write so many more that it's so far down the pipeline that no one's going to find it. And if they do, well, they must like you. I mean, they must like your work. So they keep digging down the hole. And that's what's great about the posts, is that even if you write a really bad one, which happens all the time, wait a week and it's going to be buried seven deep. Wait two weeks and then it's 14 deep. Whatever. So same thing's got to happen with the, the pros. Eventually. Keep moving forward. Anyway. So, do I think it's a perfect story? No. But is it the story that I was working on and the one I have? And, you know, does it say, does it isolate the father-son dynamic that I feel like I wanted to kind of, you know, put together um, to kind of honor my own youth? Yeah. It does. So, there you go. Maybe I, I should clip this out, whatever I just said, transcribe it, and put it in as the foreword. You know, they do that sometimes in a book. It's like preface by the author. No one ever, I would skip, I usually skip that shit anyway. But if I'm so concerned about how it's going to be, if I'm so self-conscious, if I give so much of a fuck about all this stuff, you know, okay, there's your preamble. I know it sucks, but maybe it's good. So... Don't judge me too harshly and read the story and like it or not. You know? That's what that could be for. Moving on. Let's leave that story behind. Maybe one day I'll return to it. Maybe not. No one knows. No one cares. That's not true. We all care. I'm just having fun. Okay. Now we got to get serious about our marketing efforts. Because you know how it is. Here's the honest truth. And I got to go confirm this right now in case anyone chimed in. But the advertising exchange program, this amazing initiative, the beta program, the advertisement exchange program from the Earwig Review, 
came out last episode said hey let's do some cross promotion somebody chime in here give me some ads well guess what maybe the link's broken zero responses no responses on the advertisement exchange program from the earwig review so i got no ads for you aren't you lucky because who likes ads anyway so very sad very very sad what are we going to do about it this is what we're going to do i'm going to i'm going to plug it again you got to go joshuahillelbarski.com links in the in the podcast or you found it already www.joshuahillelbarsky.com joshuahillelbarsky.com you got to click the advertisement exchange program button and you got to you got to make a deal with us here at the Earwig Review. We got to do some ads. And if you got nothing to sell, well, you better get something to sell. And you better do it fast. And if you really got nothing to sell even after that, you got to tell your friend. You got to tell your buddy. You got to tell your mom. You got to tell your siblings and their friends. And all those fucking people in the world, you got to get at them, tell them, hey man, you got to do an ad for the Earwig Review on your social media, on your work poster board by the coffee machine. You got you to gotta put up flyers in your neighborhood. You got to write about it on your Facebook, you gotta write about it on your Instagram, you gotta send mass tweets out, you gotta you gotta tell all your friends word of mouth, tell all the strangers you meet in the street, listen to the Earwig Review, one of the best new shows on Apple Music, I'm on Apple Podcasts, it's not on Apple Music, on Apple Podcasts, on Spotify, or you can listen to it on Substack, and you can check it out next episode, subscribe, follow, you gotta market this thing, and I'll do what I can as well, of course, it's my show, but I can't do it alone, or else we're all fucked, you know? So, you got to take this seriously. You got to get some advertisements going out. And I'll do an advertisement for your thing here next week. And I'm going to check back and see what comes in. So I can do some fucking ads on the show. For everyone's sake. Because what kind of podcast doesn't even have ads? Come on. Ridiculous. So there's the marketing bulletin point of today. Meanwhile, I'm going out 
looking for some people who are interested in handling the marketing end of this thing. So if you know anyone who's interested in that kind of a thing, who wants to get involved and who wants to get paid, paid position to market this thing, come up with some strategies and help me out, help out the show and help out our audience and help out everyone. You can send them to the website to the advertisement exchange program, fill out the form, get in touch, and we can grow this thing because it's not going to stop either way, even if no one listens. So if you know anyone who's interested in getting into the marketing side of things, who loves all that stuff, you got to send them my way. And you got to do it with no time to spare. You gotta do it now. You gotta do it before the end of the week. And if you don't do it before the end of the week, it's happening next week. So that's what I'm talking about. And once I figure out those things, then I gotta keep marketing, keep getting the show out into the world and find a way to make it work for the for the sake of the earwig review please you got to get in on this it's very serious stuff all right now without further ado let's get to the posts the moment you've all been waiting for Okay, so this week, this is a unique bunch of posts here. We're going to start all the way back on October 2, post called Self-Portrait. And then we're going from October 3rd to October 7th. we got a five-part series called Chickens of the Alcove. Parts 1, 2, 3, 4, and 5. So we got self-portrait off the top and then we're going into chickens of the alcove five part series so yes i'm very excited for this this week's show and let me apologize once more for showing up late you'll see i won't i'm not usually late with this kind of stuff but i had to do it this time and uh it is what it is Self-Portrait, October 2nd. Translating the fog, vacuuming the dust, and looking at the fuzz. It is sad to see dead animals on the road, their teeth puncturing the tires of the cars and the trucks. Some guy took a dead animal and tried to invent a new flavor of sparkling water with it. He is calling it pomegranate grapefruit and there's a cartoon of a raccoon on it there are coupons online i tried some i wish i hadn't but i did i couldn't say no to the sale and now i'm someone who drinks roadkill soda 
who I am. I'm carpet dust. I'm fuzz mold and ass fog. Ass fog. Meaning a passing fart that some guy had when he was scooping off roadkill to make soda from. Self-portrait, October 2nd. Reading this post, seeing where it goes. What's amazing constantly talking about the the subconscious on the show whatever that means and knowing what would happen in the future the the ultimate stomach flu that was beginning on this monday very minor symptoms only a headache on this Monday. Tuesday, the body aches, more headache. Wednesday, it got worse. And on the plane, full breakdown on takeoff. That was what happened Wednesday evening. We'll get to that. But here we go self-portrait and I can see this bit where it goes I am carpet dust I am fuzz mold and ass fog ass fog meaning a passing fart some guy had when he was scooping off roadkill to make soda from I didn't know at this time what it was all going to turn into But, the proof is in the pudding. So, in this case, the f- what would manifest into the physicality of it all was already leaking into my subconscious all the way on Monday, before I even knew it, before I had any real symptoms. That's strange. So... That's where it all began. And here's what I like about this post in particular. I'm going to read it again. Translating the fog, vacuuming the dust, and looking at the fuzz. It is sad to see dead animals on the road, their teeth puncturing the tires of the cars and the trucks. Some guy took a dead animal and tried to invent a new flavor of sparkling water with it. What am I seeing here? I feel very foggy. And and some notion of death right when you're sick you feel like you're gonna die or you think you're gonna die at times even when you know you're not gonna die when you have some kind of flu like this there's always those moments where you think what if this could be it maybe this is it i'm gonna die this is the end this is how it happened so we're thinking of death we're inside of this fog and we're thinking about drinking sparkling water, hydrating, hydrating, mixing it all together. Some guy took a dead animal and tried to invent a new flavor of sparkling water with it. He's calling it pomegranate grapefruit, and there's a cartoon of a raccoon on it. There are coupons online. 
I tried some, I wish I hadn't, but I did. I couldn't say no to the sale, and now I'm someone who drinks roadkill soda. It's who I am. I am carpet dust, I am fuzz mold and ass fog, ass fog meaning a passing fart that some guy had when he was scooping off roadkill to make soda from. It's that line here, it's who I am, that I think um, that acceptance of self within this whole shame spiral that's this incoming shame, eternal shame spiral that's coming. It's who I am. I think that's a, uh, it's at the core of this week. Accepting yourself. I say it's at the core of the week. It's at the core of my life. Always finding a way to come closer to, to what that really means. Accepting yourself, knowing yourself, and accepting yourself. Two sides of the same coin. There's, you know, one thing I might value more than than anything. It's whatever, if you could call it work, but whatever growth or whatever efforts, I don't even want to use the word growth because that's cheesy, but whatever efforts I've put towards this cause of really trying to, know myself and and um, accept myself and be myself th th those are the things that I that I value those are the things that have helped me and um it's difficult to understand what it means without just sounding um, completely like uh, I don't want to say a self-help book because there's a lot of good self-help books but a shitty self-help book or you know dime store um, philosophy which also I'm a fan of don't get me wrong but it's the uh the cliche, the the unhelpful cliches of it all, versus the actual useful sides. Maybe there is no difference. This is what I'm trying to say. I'm not. If I'm if I'm honest, I don't really see how any advice towards this kind of particular cause of, you know, be. Whenever you see the word "be yourself," I don't know if it's going to really lead anyone astray, even if it's written in the a way that you think is beneath you because if you if you think about what that means and and try to really take it in and it's not talking about being weird or being a an individual or being different or using it as an excuse to um get away with with certain behaviors that are outside of the norm or to avoid responsibilities. That's not what I'm talking about. I'm talking about how to truly be yourself in the the in the to the limit of your understanding. 
and expanding that each time you hit the what you thought was the wall. Hey. It's true. It matters a fuck ton. And if, and and there's the people I I'm thinking of some of the people who I saw some of my family who I saw relatives and such who you you know raised you it's even in satellite ways who when you were a kid you looked up to certain people because they were older than you because they were your elders and then you get older and you see them and you and you notice the the limit of their understanding of who they are is uh, it's not they haven't done much they haven't put much effort towards it and and uh, that's that that disturbs me to know that they've lived more years than you and they part they shaped your reality but you can see so clearly the limits of where they've gone with that it disturbs me to the core but I wish these people well and I feel like from where I'm sitting my judgment on them they can get there and they, if they can face themselves and if they could stop with their bullshit stop trying to run from themselves and from the world and from their relationships and their family they can find a lot of peace and that that's what I value but I know there's a lot that may look at in my case gotta let this cat out one sec he woke up from a good nap but there's a lot that they look at me and say this guy's really gotta get the fucking together you know um And they can see that I don't make that much money. That that's the billboard that I carry around in my family unit. I live in the smallest tax bracket <laughs> that's the uh, that's the headline when they see me and what I've got to do is accept that and be unaffected by their judgment I can pretend to be uninfected, but I am not. 
So that's that's a bit of the push and pull. Now I'm not broke by any means. Let me just say that. I'm not struggling. And I'd like to think that if I was broke, I'd go out and get an, an extra job, work, take more hours, figure it out. But the truth is, yeah, I don't make that much money, but it gives me my fucking time to write. And that is what I want. It's what I've always wanted for a long time. And uh, that's what it is. So, you know, obviously that's going to be hard in the family dynamic. You got to understand that. I don't think it's too, uh, too complicated of a thing to explain. Self-portrait, October 2nd. Okay, now, here we go. So it begins, Chickens of the Alcove, part one. I'm thinking of inventing a virtual reality game called the Chickens of the Alcove. In the game, you will see chickens in your house and you'll have to get their eggs and then you have to make eggs, scrambled, fried, poached, omelets, boiled. The game and the chickens would be loved by many. It would become a classic. I just went and walked around the house and I've begun to have second thoughts. On one hand, I think it would be a lot of fun to have chickens running around. But on the other hand, I know that people might not take the idea seriously they might laugh at it and think that it's dumb. I came close to deleting this idea, thinking of all those people and what their criticisms might be. But then I realized that they don't even exist. They're nothing in comparison to the chickens of the alcove. I like it. I'm happy with that post. And it's not lost on me that this basically just summarized everything I was talking about in two ways. When I was talking about Son of Arnold and my insecurities with that story, and then I went on this whole thing about the family get-together. And it applies to that too. They might laugh at it and think it's dumb. They might not take the idea seriously. But I know it's a classic. And I know... that it's good. And their opinions are imagined. They don't even exist. I gotta... You gotta overcome that. You gotta, you gotta figure it out. I'm not there yet. Imagining people's fucking opinions about what you love to do, about your creative output, imagining people's opinions, and then acting on those imagined opinions 
in order to self-sabotage so that you don't have to face the reality that they will reject you with deep insecurity. And that is at the core of my being. There, that's just this whole fucking mess. But I, I really want to figure that one out. I don't want to carry that around forever. But it makes me just want to fucking break down just thinking about, you know, about it. It's my, if I, okay. That's my biggest fear. Whatever I'm trying to describe, you know what I'm trying to describe here. That is, that revolves around my, my biggest fear in life, has everything to do with that. And and how is that? What is there to be scared of? Really. What there's to be scared of is the fact that that people, more importantly, family. I don't know if it's people I'm concerned about it by and large, but it's my it's a family. It's of what they will think, and of their judgment. There's got to be people out there who can relate to that. And there's probably people out there who are like, no, you should let go of that. It doesn't really seem like a thing. I didn't have that one. I got other fears. I'm worried of dying. I'm worried of, you know, going to jail. I'm worried of getting killed when I walk down the street. Some some real, real uh, high-stakes stuff. But me? No, no, no. My... You know what I'm scared of? Sharing my fucking weird ass posts and stories to such an extent that everyone will see it and they'll say, this sucks, you're a complete fucking loser. You're not good at this and... Um, you're better off uh, not doing it anymore, and it's an embarrassment. That's what that's what it is. It's the it's the shame and embarrassment you feel like you may bring to them, or something. Ah, oh, God. All right. Chickens of the alcove. I'm thinking of inventing a virtual reality game called the Chickens of the Alcove. In the game, you will see chickens in your house, and you will have to get their eggs. And then you have to make eggs scrambled. You have to make eggs scrambled, fried, poached, omelets, boiled. This is an entirely a metaphor for... I'm operating in a fake reality. It's kind of safe zone. And I'm playing, and I'm playing with these fake chicken eggs and making these weird creations these out of their eggs making types of eggs in the game 
Immediately, it says the chickens, the game, and the chickens would be loved by many. It would become a classic. What confidence, what confidence do we have here? I just went, so then that's kind of a, there's a break in the story. It would become a classic. And then, and then it goes, I just want to walk around the house <laughs> and I've begun to have second thoughts. <laughs> and uh, that's funny because it's like, you know, you work on these, um, when you're doing your thing, whatever it is, making your birdhouse, painting your painting, writing your story. When you're doing it, you're always excited or you're very or you're very frustrated and it sucks but eventually get to the point where you're excited and you know what it's going to be and you work on it and you hit that end point and you, f and you don't stop until you feel like it's great until you feel like you really got there right that's that's how you know that's the the end of the line and then you, you put it down and then you walk around the house and you and, or you walk, you know you start living your life again you leave it and you start having second thoughts and so it begins the neuroses of it all my ultimate curse there there it is on one hand so we're starting to rationalize now on one hand i think it would be a lot of fun to have chickens running around yeah so what but on the other hand I know that people might not take the idea seriously. Uh-oh. They might laugh at it and think that it's dumb. And that's got to be the saddest fucking thing in the world. You're excited about your, your work. Work. About your creative thing. Dare I call it work. You're excited about the... Whatever it is you're working on. And you know it would be a lot of fun. End of story. It should go no farther. And you should pursue it. And, and do it as much as you want. And no one should give a flying fuck. Except yourself. And if they like it, they like it. And if they don't, well, so they don't like it. But you shouldn't. What does it matter? There's no bearing on you. But on the other hand, I know that people might not take it seriously. They might laugh at it and think it's dumb. I came close to deleting the idea, thinking all of those people, thinking of all those people and what their criticisms might be. There's, I've taken entire, I've written massive, massive stories that I've overthought in this way, just deleted from the face of the earth because of these imagined criticisms. I came close to deleting the, uh, this idea, thinking of all those people and what their criticisms might be. Even the, la the story I read last week, Son of Arnold. I'm tempted. I'm even tempted right now to go and delete it. It would be so much easier. But that's where I've learned. And I continue to practice and uphold the 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 skill to not not delete it leave it up there let it live because i because it was fun and it meant something to me to do it but that's so hard this can be so hard 
to to accept and to continue forward with such a thing. But then I realize that they don't even exist. And that's those imagined criticisms. Those criticisms don't even exist. They're they're nothing in comparison to the chickens of the alcove. And that's the fun part. Is that the chickens of the alcove are virtual reality chickens. That we invented. They're not even that. They're not even virtual reality chickens. Those would exist more than the ones we're talking about that we just invented in this very post. Chickens of the Alcove. It's a beautiful thing. I really fucking like this post. It's it and it really does it for me. It says what it should. So much so that I wrote five parts to it. Chickens of the Alcove 2. Okay. A strange cloud-like effect. I cannot see well. Sitting in a chair, ordinarily, a microscopic issue, issue has come from the wall and arrived in front of me. It is a floating white fleck. It has small evil teeth like a chicken skeleton. It seems as though the virtual reality chickens have escaped and they are eating my ankles and my feet. I might be dead, I cannot tell. It seems as though I may have stepped into hell with these chickens. At least there is little to no gravity where I am. So it, so it continues. The si similar thing, this, the strange cloud-like effect. I'm going to scroll back to, to self-portrait. It says, translating the fog, vacuuming the dust and looking at the fuzz. A strange cloud-like effect I cannot see well. Immediately I draw the connection between these two things. So I'm getting a sickness. I'm getting a stomach flu virus, but I don't know it yet. And that part of my physicality is coming out in the writing. There's something to be said about that. And I'm not the mind, body, holistic, this, that, and the other. I'm not making that argument necessarily. I mean, I get it, I see it, but that's just not my, uh, that's not my fight, but I get it, and I see it here. Sitting in a chair ordinarily, a microscopic issue has come from the wall and arrived in front of me. It is a floating white fleck. So it's a, sitting in this chair and something, a, almost a pixel of the paint has come off the wall and, flo and is floating towards us here. Floating white fleck. It has small evil teeth like a chicken skeleton. It seems as though the virtual reality chickens have escaped. As much as we believed that these were chickens that we made up, in Chickens of the Alcove 1, the virtual, the idea of the virtual reality chickens, in this post, they're coming out of the wall like a 
fleck of pixel. And they're eating my ankles and my feet. Things have gone from decent to worse in Chickens of the Alcove, too. They're eating my ankles and my feet. I might be dead. I cannot tell. It seems as though I may have stepped into hell with these chickens. At least there's little to no gravity where I am. Meaning, if you have no ankles or feet, you can't walk. But if there's no gravity, you can float around. <laughs> I may have stepped into hell with these chickens. So we're sitting in a chair and suddenly the chickens have left the digital realm and they've come to reckon with us. And now we're dead and we're in hell. And we have no feet or ankles and we're floating around in this. That's chickens of the alcove too. So we have to reckon with this, these chickens. That's what I'm saying. Chickens of the Alcove 3. I'd realized then that I was on a plane to hell. There was a woman that put her cowboy hat in the overhead compartment. I vomited on takeoff into the little bag. And while the, pla the plane was diagonal, I had massive diarrhea. I had no feet, only ankles with jagged bones sticking out. The cowboy hat woman gave me a pack of gravol, which I didn't expect. I couldn't tell if she... Big typo there. I couldn't tell... If she was wearing that hat as a joke or not. The cowboy woman gave me a pack of gravel, which I didn't expect. I couldn't tell if she was wearing that hat as a joke or not. But this was not the actual hell. The actual hell are the thoughts I have caught in my brain saying that I am a failure. The chickens on the horizon look familiar. They look like my mother, my father, and my two sisters. In hell, I am having dinner with them, and my wife is not there and they think I am pig shit and vomit. We are here now at the hotel, my wife and me. So, what's going on? Between Chickens of the Alcove 2 and 3, I was on a plane, sitting in the plane chair versus sitting in my usual office chair in 2, when I was imagining Chickens of the out the chickens coming out of the walls from the digital sphere and eating my feet and going and imagining I might be in hell to by the time I wrote this the sickness had come into full force and I was vomiting in the airplane bag and I was being going back to the bathroom exploding out of either ends while the plane was taking off. It was insane. 
the woman with the cowboy hat ended up being the bride's what do you call it it's not the best man bridesmaid the maid of honor the maid of honor I think she was in the wedding party the woman with the cowboy hat with the gravel and this is all fucking true when we got to the wedding we saw we got to the wedding on Sunday this was Wednesday when I was on the plane getting sick the people beside us were in the wedding party they were the bridesmaids the maid of honor was actually someone else she was on the I don't know if she's on the fucking plane or not but that's what happened it's all there's a lot of things to, to pick apart here I'm on the actual plane I'm getting sick and it's all the sickness and the chickens and my all of my deep fears I'm trying to get at it's all come together in this moment and I wrote this post almost dead in the airport hotel we usually we were gonna go stay with my sister but we couldn't make it we went straight to the the airport hotel because I was sick and we weren't gonna go over to her house she has a little one-year-old baby my nephew greatest guy I know we weren't gonna bring all those germs into their house we got a hotel here I am going from zero to 150 trying to figure this whole thing out so that's this part is all true what began in self-portrait on Monday I'm fuzz mold and ass fog asthma ass fog meaning a passing fart that some guy had when he was scooping off roadkill to make soda from turns all the way into this whole scenario from chickens of the alcove 3 when I'm exploding on the plane and the, the future bridesmaid is sitting beside us giving me gravel having no idea we're in the wedding too I had realized then that I was on a plane to hell. There was a woman that put her cowboy hat in the overhead compartment, and I know I was like, what's with the cowboy hat? I vomited on takeoff into the little bag, and while the plane was diagonal, I had massive diarrhea. I had no feet. Only ankles, jagged bones sticking out. The cowboy hat woman gave me a pack of gravel, which I didn't expect. I'd pass judgment on her for having this cowboy hat. I couldn't tell if she was wearing the hat as a joke or not. She was the one with the medicine. So, judge someone as you may. Might come back and spit in your face in a minute. As it did here. But this was not the actual hell. The actual hell 
are the thoughts I've caught in my brain saying that I am a failure. And somehow, in the midst of that flight, I remember breaking down while we were flying and I was covered in sweat and, and also freezing, you know, the whole thing under all these airplane blankets and just thinking that it, of myself as a failure almost seeming nothing to do with the sickness I didn't care that I, you know all this puke and shit and all this stuff that wasn't what bothered me, it was something else I feel like I got right to the core of, of the insecurity here in that moment. I don't know. I don't know how it's all feels so connected in the, with this whole thing. The chickens on the horizon look familiar. They look like my mother, my father, and my two sisters. So it's, my it's the people that I'm uh, more scared of being judged by than anyone. Who in fact have already judged me for a long time and they made up their mind and it's over and it's fine it's not their judgment I should be worried about because what's done is done they judged me the moment I was born like it or not but, but I'm still scared of it I'm horrified by it in hell I'm having dinner with them and my wife is not there and they think I am pig shit and vomit that is such an exaggerated feeling and so untrue to what they deserve to me to think of them. But that's, that's almost the, the craziness and, or the, the amplitude of what all of this can become in my mind somehow. My insecurities become so um, unhinged, so out of control. These are the thoughts I have. Delirious. I wrote this when I was delirious in the hotel. Try, passing out, just trying to get this post down. Just trying to, I gotta write my post. I gotta write my post. Even in this, this state. <laughs> we are here now at the hotel, my wife and me. That's the happy ending. Is it the hell is that, the, that my wife wasn't there with me. But the truth was she was there the whole time. And that's got to be about the luckiest thing. I could ever imagine is having her not only with me in a situation like that, but but her with me the every other day too. And I'm uh, this is our first year of marriage, so you know sinks in bit by bit what that really means. I'm a we're new married couple. We're not. Uh, we're amateurs, so catching on what that, what the support from another person can really mean, you know? Chickens of the Alcove. Chickens of the Alcove 4. Things have been quiet. Things have become quiet here in hell. I'm eating toast. The grass has become beige and the skyline is empty. Except for the moon. It is massive even in the daytime. 
There's a small coffee shop about 15 minutes away. There are two signs on the door. One says that they are short on staff, so please be patient. And the other says, and the other sign says, now hiring. We went in to order some teas and saw five chickens working. I thought that was excessive for such a small coffee shop in the middle of nowhere. But then we saw on the menu that they had introduced a new fried chicken sandwich. And we understood the meaning of the signs on the door. We walked home along the beige grass, drinking our teas and passing six hotels until we got to ours. I laid down to watch TV and then had a liquid fart. There was no covering it up, so I had to explain it to my wife. She called the front desk and told them we spilled coffee on the sheets. The housekeeper came to replace them. She was kind at first, but her attitude changed. When she saw the tea labels hanging from our cups, she knew that the stain wasn't coffee after all. Chickens of the Alcove. Number four. It's a good one. After the how intense things got on the the plane ride and it was all kind of building building with the posts beforehand and the train of thought you can see there's a break and there's a lightness to this one and things are getting a bit better and as far as being married is concerned it seems that there's no hiding anything from the person you're married to. And that's okay. Self-acceptance as a liquid fart. Do you know what I mean? <laughs> that's what it's all about. That is what it's all about. No shame. Yeah, I got sick. Yeah, we gotta change the bed sheets. We're gonna try to keep it a secret from the housekeeper, but they're gonna figure it out too. And you still gotta look them in the eye. Things have become quiet here in hell. I'm eating toast. The grass has become beige and the skyline is empty, except for the moon, it is massive even in the daytime. There's a small coffee shop about 15 minutes away. There are two signs on the door, one that says they are short on staff so please be patient, and the other sign says now hiring. We went to, to order some teas and saw five chickens working. I thought that was excessive. Now there's five members of my immediate family and there's five chickens here. That's something, that's the, no one gives a shit except for me, but you know, fuck off. I thought that was excessive for such a small coffee shop in the middle of nowhere. But then we saw on the menu that they had introduced a new fried chicken sandwich. This is the cannibalism of it all. <laughs> I think it's, it's, Great. 
is saying, you got this coffee shop making chicken sandwiches and they're running out of staff because their staff are being eaten as items on the menu. And they're now hiring because they're going to keep running out of staff because they're the food. We saw on the menu that they'd introduced a new fried chicken sandwich and we understood the meanings of the signs on the door. We walked home along the beige grass drinking our teas, passing six hotels until we got to ours. Now I say there's meaning to there's five chickens. Oh, there's five members of the family. Well, there's six hotels and that's who gives a fuck. I laid down to watch TV and then had a liquid fart. There was no covering up, so I had to explain it to my wife. So you think about the fear, the, the big fears in life. Sometimes you, you got to just own up to it. And then you can get through it. So much of figuring our lives out, I think, are facing our fears the small ones that, that have gotten so big because of so much neuroses and facing them and getting through them. That's what I'm trying to do. And that's the whole point of this fucking show. She called the front desk and told them we spilled coffee on the sheets. The housekeeper came to replace them. She was kind at first, but her attitude changed when she saw the tea labels hanging from her cups. She knew that the stain wasn't coffee, after all. Great. I love it. Chickens of the Alcove, part four. Now, let's see where the week ended up. Chickens of the Alcove, number five. I will try to make peace with the chickens here in hell for now. I realized I'm only an illusion in their world, like at one point they were in mine. I will try to mind my business and eventually will find a way back. It is possible to escape hell, I've done it before, but somehow I always end up back here. Somehow it feels like home. And there is something about going home. It, it, will, it always has its hold on you, right? You see it a lot. People trying to explain this in movies and TV and different stories and books. But it's very true. The longer I'm away from home, the stronger it seems to get what it means to me. There's no fucking escaping it. And in the case of Chickens of the Alcove, home is hell. It's gotta be. That makes sense to me. Your biggest fears is hell. And there's gotta be nothing scarier than where you came from. Right? I'll try to make peace with the chickens here in hell for now. What I'm trying to say is I'll... I gotta reconcile and I gotta own up to who I am in front of my family. 
I've realized I'm only an illusion in their world like at one point they were in mine. So the truth is I'm the one who left. I'm the one who shows up almost like a virtual reality blip and then I leave. But that was home, that's the place. They're still there, I'm not. I'm the illusion. I will try to mind my business and eventually will find a way back. It is possible to escape hell. I've done it before, but somehow I always end up back here. Somehow it feels like home. It's pretty good. Chickens of the Alcove 5. I'm glad I wrote Chickens of the Alcove. I think it's good. I think it's what I want to write. And I think it's what I need to write. And I think, you know, I was being critical of Son of Arnold, the story of how sentimental it is. But I don't feel that with Chickens of the Alcove. And it's got to be even more kind of deep and true. But in this format, in the format of the posts, these quick little things that just happen very, very fast, written in kind of the subconscious and blah, blah, blah. It just doesn't, it feels different than when you're plotting out an actual story. These write over and over and over again. These are just, I write very quickly and then I move on and I write the next one and I write the next one and I write and we don't go back and edit them. Whereas when you're writing the prose stories, these long things, you're, it's like this perfectionism, writing, editing over and over and over again. And, and what I struggle with is this idea of, you know, that's what it means to work on them, right? Is to edit them and to make them perfect. But at the same time, I feel like sometimes I get more out of just writing this this way, writing Chickens of the Alcove, you know? That's it. It seems to be more clear and more fun and, and more easy. But there's also another drive that I have that I want to go back and edit and tell it's perfect and make it this big thing. But I don't know. Sometimes I don't know which one is more. And I don't have to pick, but sometimes I feel like the it's harder to read the, the books. It's harder to read the long novels. And as I was talking about in the beginning of the show, when I'm reading other people's work, when they've gone over it too much and they've over-edited it, and it doesn't always do anything for you. And I don't want to make shit like that. I'd rather make stuff that, you know, that meant something and that I had fun writing and I just went with. And the people got at a gut level and there wasn't, trying to be smart and it just kind of worked it was just kind of true because you know being the smartest guy in the room has never been my um, it's never going to be my thing I let go of that a long time ago it's always there's more intelligent folks out there than me those aren't the kind of books that I want to be writing it's something else that, that I uh that I've, I've got and and it's coming out in the show right this is all what it is this is really um, this is who I am all of this fucking earwig review shit 
Nothing, nothing else I can tell you about it. You know already. You've listened to the show. You like it or you don't. But that's what it is. So that's the Earwig Review. Episode 7. This next week, I've got to get my focus back. I've got to start writing that long piece and thinking about these things I'm talking about now of, you know, not overdoing it, but also making sure it's not a piece of shit that makes no sense, you know? Finding that balance, figuring out, I'm getting there, I know I am. So that's the work ahead. And otherwise, I think we can probably call it there. So, thank you for being here. Share the show, subscribe. Get on the Advertising Exchange program. If you know any any producers out there who want to get involved, help me market this thing, help me get it off the ground, find a bigger audience. Send them over. Find that button on the website. JoshuaHillelBarsky.com And we'll pick it up from there. So, thank you. We'll see you next week. <laughs>